Welcome to 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness with your host, Dr. Rob Bell. Dr. Rob interviews expert coaches, executives, and athletes about mental toughness and their hinge moments. The hinge. It connects who we are with who we've become, and it only takes one. And now for your host, Dr. Rob. This podcast, 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, is brought to you by our sponsor, SOS Rehydrate. It's an organic drink mix as effective as an IV drip. It's proven by science and used by elite athletes because only the best will do for elite athletic performance. So for all your hydration needs, our listeners today get 15% off if you enter the code mental toughness at i need sos.com this episode is brought to you by some sleep go to getsome.com that's g e t s o m.com we all deserve a better night's sleep you drink one can 30 minutes before bed and it's that simple this awesome blend lets you not only fall asleep fast but then wake up feeling absolutely refreshed, not hungover or foggy. You're going to absolutely love this product. And in fact, if you go to getsome.com and enter in the promo code Dr. Rob Bell, D-R-R-O-B-B-E-L-L, you get 10% off. Guarantee you're going to love this product. Go there right away. So our guest today on 15 Minutes of Mental Toughness, I'm very excited about this because she's been a top business coach for over 10 years. She's helped hundreds of six and seven figure entrepreneurs and business owners optimize really every area of their business. Uh, the reason why I'm so excited is because she has an awesome show. It's called Eventual Millionaire, where she's interviewed over 500 self-made millionaires. Um, she's she's a tech geek. She has two kids. She's a, she even has a sword wall in her house. Hopefully we get to that. Plus, she loves creating automated systems and talking business growth. Our guest has been featured on Yahoo's homepage six times, Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur, and Business Insider. Our guest today is Jamie Masters. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's really an honor because it... You do. You have such a great show, and I'm going to put the links, Eventual Millionaire, for everyone to listen to. But you have, I mean, so much information. You've interviewed so many people. Well, I mean, let's start with that. When it comes to, like, mental toughness and the mental game, what is it from interviewing all these millionaires, people that have taken their business from 5 k to 40 k a month or from $500 to, you know, a million-dollar business, what is, it that, what is it that you've learned that you can share? 
Oh, do we have enough time? No. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go over some of the top things uh, that kept coming up over and over and over again. Because what I used to do back in the day was sort of put them on a pedestal. Like mm-hmm. they must be something better, right? They're smarter, faster, whatever. That's what is. I'm doing with you. Um, <laughs> I'm not, unfortunately. Not smarter, better. No. Uh, the, the funny thing is, is that everybody's got their own issues, right? But there were patterns on what popped up over and over and over again. So the funny thing is, they can have spelling issues like all heck, and they can still make the money. But some of the top things that came up were, number one, a commitment to the end goal, no matter what. So this was the thing where it wasn't about the how, right? Because you And it's kind of cliche, right? You're like, oh, it's about the journey, right? And everybody talks about that, and it's, oh, sure, that's great. Uh, but when you start getting into the how, it starts to make you feel crappy. There's failures. There's all sorts of things. And what they said is it's the commitment to that end goal no matter what. Does that make sense? 100% obsession. Were they, yeah. obs- were they obsessed? So this is the other funny thing, and this is sort of a side note. This is something that I've just learned after working with hundreds and hundreds of entrepreneurs also. We're a little crazy, and we are a little obsessive, right, where we love progress no matter what. And it's a thing that we can't totally turn off. So that's actually one of the pieces to me of mental toughness is getting your hands around that so it doesn't consume you. Because otherwise... It, you, you go into failure and you're like now and you start spiraling downward and you can't get yourself out of that place that's the thing that's ridiculously hard but if you can really start pulling yourself back up knowing that it's going to continue you're never going to be fully satisfied you're always going to want to keep pushing and that is okay especially even when you're falling behind or backwards or it feels a lot of times it just feels like that mm-hmm. that's a huge key so you know, one of the things that, that I found interesting is, you know, Olympic gold medalists, they hold up the, the best feeling that they've ever had in their life. They've strived for this moment. And I've always asked them then, you know, how long did that moment last? Have you experienced that with individuals who have been striving for that goal? They hit that goal. How long does that last until it's what next? Right. Okay. So they call it the millionaire myth and it comes up over and over and over again. Also, they're like, I am running towards this goal. Yay. Right. So when we say commitment, no matter what, that's great. But unfortunately, we are guessing at what we think is going to make us happy long term. And a lot of the times money's sort of the easiest one to go for because that's what we're sort of conditioned to. Right. Uh-huh. Oh, well, of course you should get more money. So then when they get there, they go, oh, wait a minute. We have the rest of our entire life that either is not going well, because sometimes you're only focused on one thing and everything else slides, or you get there and they're like, oh, that didn't give me exactly what I thought it was going to give me. And then it's an internal game, which it always has been. But of course, we were focusing on something outside so that we thought was going to solve all the problems. Now, money does solve some things like choices and freedom and, and that sort of thing. But it is definitely not the key to happiness, as everybody kind of just assumes. Because if you can buy that nice car, you can get happiness for a short period of time. If we can just keep buying stuff or doing stuff, then we can be happy for those increments. But in reality, it's about what actually satisfies you and brings you joy internally, as we technically know, but it's so much easier to to not do when you're in the moment than uh, than normally. Because we're not, we're, we're conditioned this way also, right? We're supposed to be going for the next thing. I'll be happy when this happens. And it's really 
kind of sad and there's a lot of anxiety and depression and stuff like this that comes along with entrepreneurship also because it's not always highs and we're humans it's not supposed to always be highs mm -hmm. if there were no lows we wouldn't have any any contrast to actually know what is good and what is uh, not really the right trajectory and so to me loving both sides of that coin the upside and the stuff that's not really looked at as good, <laughs> right? Yeah. Is what makes this human experience so much more enjoyable. And yet we're like, oh, I know, but we're only supposed to care about those top level happy moments. And that's not enough for us. Right. I, I kind of equate that to when we look at really high mountains, like we want to live on the mountaintop. But if you look at those mountains, I mean, there's nothing that lives up there because we can't live up there. We only grow down the valleys, right? Right. Yes, exactly. You know, on that, on that theme, so, I mean, you could look at then all these people that you've interviewed as outwardly successful, but what have you noticed about the common theme, those that are joyful in their life and they're significant and help other people out, but they're generally happy with what, what they do? What, what kind of theme pops out with that? Okay, so there's a bunch. And this is the funny thing too. It's like, I want, the, the point of the Eventual Millionaire Show um, was that it's life first and then money because mm. I went after money in corporate, hated my life for a little while and was like, that's not where I want to go. So the whole premise of, of this is finding people that are actually happy with the money that made it themselves, not the people that hate their lives, right? right. So over and over and over though, this kept coming up and I thought this was super woo woo and cheesy. Like I started the podcast probably eight, nine years ago and I have a degree in computers. I was a programmer, like I care about data and science and I love this stuff, right? Yep. And I know you guys do too. And I'm so thankful that, that science is catching up to this because beforehand it was like, no, people don't do that. So over the first, I've interviewed almost um, 500 millionaires now and the first 10 or 20 or so kept talking about visioning. And I was like, eh, like I've heard meditation's good, but like like sitting there and trying to feel the feelings of whatever it's going to be, right? And I know you know you already know this. This is back in the day, right, Eight, nine years ago. But it's come up over and over and over and over again. Both the meditation side, which sort of slowing down the crazy entrepreneurial thoughts, but also the visioning of going, where do we actually want to be? What are those joyful moments so that we can recognize them in small increments when we're going? Also, so it's not just that peak of the mountain. There's all sorts of other things that can come up, which is an amazing, uh, joyful experience that we don't even receive fully a lot of the times, right? You're like, oh, that was great. I am. Um, I do uh, uh, masterminds. I do a lot of um, online masterminds, and we we go on and we talk about the wins that they have. And I work with six and seven figure business owners, so these are people that are technically successful in business already, and they <laughs> downplay all their wins. Someone was like, oh, I got this thing, and it was this blah, blah, blah but you know, I mean, it wasn't as good as the last guys. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That is amazing. Why did why did they why did they do that? Because it, it can always be better. It can always be better. Of course, it, of course, it can always be better. But if you can't actually receive and understand the progress that you're making, those are small increments where you could actually have even more joy in your life that you don't allow right. or you don't receive. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so it's. It's funny when when I'm in it with entrepreneurs, it's so much easier for me to see them. Of course, I'm sure I do it also, right? Because it is it, that unsatisfaction, never enough thing sort of gets us. And what I want to do is sort of shorten that and go, no, 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 no. Again, when we're in the journey, this is this is all that matters. So we might as well enjoy the stuff that we are going through and level up what those joyful moments are. Because we have a tendency to go, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. Like I was on Yahoo's homepage six times, right? You think. 
six times. So the first time I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, mm -hmm. right? And then it starts being like, yeah, I mean, I was just doing this again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, well, this time I didn't get as much traffic as last time. How silly, you know what I mean? How silly is the stuff that we do within our brains, which is why I absolutely love the idea of mental toughness that you talk about, because it's literally all internal. We are so horribly mean to ourselves, and I just want entrepreneurs or athletes or whatever to be a little bit nicer on the inside instead of beating your own self up internally, mm -hmm. right? Because of that unsatisfied feeling that we all have. So one of the things you promote is kind of no screen Sunday and, you know, it's okay to take a break, which is really, really difficult for our type A's. I mean, these people that are so driven. Can, give me an example. Like what's something that you really help them promote to enjoy the journey? How do we get them to enjoy that process? Well, I could say for me specifically. So yeah. I am so type A and I have ADD and I'm always, I'm a bit of an overachiever. I bought my first house at 19. I was like, and then we check this off the list and this and this, right. right? And what I realized is I wasn't actually feeling any of the feelings that I was going through anyway. I was just like checking off lists because that's what felt good at the time. And so slowing down actually allows you to feel things. What sucks about that is sometimes it allows you to feel things that that suck also, which is why a lot of times we don't want to do that as entrepreneurs. We're like, as long as we just keep going fast, we won't feel all the bad stuff. Uh, but what I highly recommend, slowing down for meditation. So I started meditating when my um, son was born, so 12 years ago. He's 12 now. Um, because I had to, because I had a colicky baby. It was not for business, um, it was more for my sanity. Um, but that practice that has grown has been the gift of my entire lifetime. Like my my children know the days that I don't meditate. They're like, mom, did you meditate yet today? Because you're a little, you know? And so when we start <laughs> realizing, I know, the in-your-faceness of that is always fun. Like, thanks children, yeah. appreciate it, right? But, but, that clarity is huge. And so even the, the no screen Sunday came from because my kids were on their phones all the time. And and I was like, guys, can we please just and then they see me like on my phone. You know what I mean? And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> right. I'm doing mm -hmm. I'm doing very similar things. And it was actually harder for me to do no screen Sundays than it was for my kids. I was like, I know, but what I know, but I just <laughs> right. And so when we start to break up, uh, the fact that we always have to be on because this society, I mean, we as humans were not built to be in front of screens constantly. Uh, you know, it, who knew that this was going to come and, and exist? Um, and even when you think of my parents' generation, they, they have no clue what this is like. So we actually have to mitigate ourselves with this. And what happens then is you start to actually get feel rested, right? So even my entrepreneurial clients, I'm like, okay, when was the last time you actually took a real vacation? Like, no phone, no nothing, no just bringing your laptop just in case. And they can't remember. One of my clients was like, it's been 12 years, right? And so when you can't turn off like that, your brain also cannot be as creative, as open. When, when people actually have space and time to actually think, it's huge, mm -hmm. it's absolutely huge. Slowing down allows you to feel that's such a righteous statement and that's so good and i'm thinking of a couple of athletes right now i'm gonna implement that right away it's easier said than done too isn't it You're sure. like, oh, no. <laughs> um with the individuals that you've worked with uh that you've interviewed is there do they hate to lose more than they love to win 
That's a really great question. Okay, so most of them are very competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, I am also very competitive. So I, the reason why we talked about the sword wall, like I used to do um, karate tournaments and Sai, and I and I have a whole bunch of swords and all sorts of crazy things. I did jujitsu and a bunch of stuff. So I also uh, love competition. I always thought it was a gift. My brother. Um, was mean and always told me I wasn't good enough. And I was like, I will beat you, the little girl. I will beat you. I always thought that was an asset, especially in business. I do think that um, that the ability to win uh, continues to cloud <laughs> people's judgment, right? And then after the millionaire type myth feeling that mm -hmm. it's not about the win or the loss, it's about the journey. That's to me uh, the, the cohesive strategy between both of those. When you look at, hey, wait a minute, I finally won. I didn't lose, I finally won, and I'm still not happy. That sort of breaks the 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 thing that they thought was real. And so the people that have already gone over a million, I don't think that they care about losing as much. Um, I think they a lot of them are trying to create more impact. So if it creates more impact, it, I wouldn't call it necessarily a win, uh, but they've shifted their focus on some of that stuff. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Absolutely. No, that's great. Which is good though too, because don't get me wrong, like as we're going through and running, and I see this with a lot of my clients that are uh, that are not at a million yet, they're like running so hard going like, I just have to keep the tiger at bay, right? I just don't want to lose. And then they burn out and they kill themselves over stuff that really in the long run doesn't matter. There's always going to be failures, there just is. And we we don't wanna start turning into the people that don't wanna try because we don't wanna fail, that sucks even more. So usually at the lower levels, that's the stuff we're wrestling with, but the people that I've been working with at the higher levels are usually like, okay, part of the game, keep going forward, right? And be more collaborative in that too. So that hating to lose, loving to win, that that changes into them just enjoying the process more. Is that right? Yes. Yep. So to me, the people that fully have, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying every single one of them sure. do this, we're all human too, but, but the people that seem to have a more joyful life and experience, right, that love all aspects of things, I, I feel like they have a much better play at that game. Yeah. Which I'm sure is a lot harder for athletes though, because athletes are like, well, wait a minute, there's only so many spots, right? It's it, there's uh, so many uh, common similarities though, but but agreed. Jamie, you know one of the things that I've I've always adhered to is that belief that it's not about the setback, it's about the comeback. But I've never worked with a pro athlete, never worked with somebody that's really been successful that hasn't had major setbacks in their life, and then what that produces that produces the you know a gratitude of appreciation more when they do hit it. But um, with the individuals that you've worked with, that you've interviewed, has anyone not gone through major setbacks? No. I mean, okay, so I have like a handful of people that I can be like, oh, they just didn't try things that they didn't want to do. And maybe there was like a handful, but no, otherwise, oh my gosh. So the, the, the thing that I think is, was also really, really interesting <clears throat> in interviewing was a lot of the millionaires that I interview have something already as like a learning disability, ADHD, mm. dyslexia, some, or, or trauma, alcoholic parents. Like it's insane to actually see the issues that they came from most of the time. And I, and I love this. I have ADHD. My daughter has ADHD, right? We think she has dyslexia. There's all sorts of things. And I go, it's an asset now. I can look at it in that way instead of thinking of it as a negative because I've seen over and over and over again, the people that can actually overcome 
that what, what to me it is is it's actually learning about how you work as a human and i don't think school sets us up for this at all right side note right to know who we are and i think business does and 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 being an athlete does this too you have to understand yourself to the nth degree so you can get over yourself, right? So when we're when we're looking at what that is and how to actually overcome yourself or have a comeback, it's really about understanding where you are and who you are and how to get yourself back in that game. And so knowing that entrepreneurs that have ADHD have to figure, like there's no other option. They kind of have to figure out how to work with it because this is all we have. Well, then they create their new game. So for me, a lot of the people that I've interviewed are going, well, I couldn't work at a regular job because uh, I'm too stubborn, I'm too whatever, the boss telling me what to do, I would just leave, like all these things, right? Uh, so they have to figure out a way that works for them. And they build, like you, like I'm sure you talk about all the time, they have to build that mental toughness within themselves and knowing themselves so well that they can succeed anyway. And that's sometimes not fun, but is the juice of life, right? That's the amazing feeling of being able to overcome something that you thought was a problem. Right. You know, I say everyone is an athlete. Our office is just different. So I always approach it as, you know, everyone has this athletic mindset because as an athlete, we compete. We prepare more than we're ever going to play. We're going to have losses. We're going to have wins. Um, so all those things are exactly the same. One thing that I, I wanted to ask you about this, and I'm working on my next book, and I don't want to date myself or timestamp this, but I think this is an important question because what I've encountered with really, really successful people is they had that person or entity that said, you can't do it. That's a dumb idea. Don't try it. Have you experienced that? I, who hasn't? I, right? I mean, I have definitely. Uh, but so many other people have stories like that. We're the weirdos. Like when we're the weirdos, of course, society tries to push you down. That's just the way it's supposed to be. They In Australia, they call it tall poppy syndrome. I was like, I don't even know what that is. Right. And if one poppy grows up, they they try and pull it down. Right. And so when you start thinking about every when you shine your light really, really brightly, the other people get scared, right? It's mm -hmm. just, it's common humanity and we get mad at them, but it's just, that's what they were taught also. That's their own pre-programming and from TV and all this other stuff. Well, if they get ahead, then I won't get my share. And that's a lack mentality and that sucks for them, but it should not affect us. Now, don't get me wrong. It can affect you for a second and you getting over it is really the, the biggest point, but that happens, I mean, constantly, constantly, constantly. With, um, Asking the, the mother question here, if that's okay, how has, um, how has being a mom helped you with, um, you know, centeredness, perspective, and then also like your business? Everything, right? Uh, so it's funny. Uh, so when I was younger, I didn't want kids. I was like, no, I'm the overachiever and I'm going to do all the things. And uh, then when I go, oh, well, what do I want to be when I grow up, right? My mom is a twin and she has, uh, my mom has kids and her twin sister does not. And I was like, I want that family. And so when I started building this uh, family, I had no idea how hard it would be. Nobody, I was 22, 24 when I had my first son. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it is insanity, especially with colic and craziness. Like the amount of mental toughness you need to be a parent is ridiculous. But one of the my favorite parts that helps me in business also is that they reflect me so well, right? So so when I get agitated, 
they get agitated with that, right? I can see myself and I can see what I'm doing to them in a reflection, in a in an innocent way, not just, well, that guy is dumb because he feels this way and I'm different, right? The separation side, but I love my children more than anything else. And so to have them go, I, I have this feeling about you, it's such a great reflection and it's so good and humbling to, to understand, <laughs> right? Oh, wow. Mom is crazy right now, right? Or, or whatever those pieces are. And and to be able to to work through what you think, like the funny thing is, is that my daughter listens to my podcast every single night. So my voice is like, it's annoying wow. to me, but she it's in there every single night. <clears throat> and she loves the comfort and that sort of stuff too. But I'm hoping she's learning business while she sleeps personally. That's what I'm hoping for. Uh, but what's so amazing is how, uh, how they reflect and how they look up to you. So I want to be the person that they see every single day and to know that it's in the small things and not, oh, I hit this, I did that, I all those achievement things that I think are so important. It's really the humanity of who I am that makes a difference uh, has been life-changing also. Yeah. I, I really believe that we learn more from our kids than they do from us, right? My my son has a meditation room. He already has a Reiki thing. Like, and he he's like the coolest kid ever. I'm like, I just want to hang out with you. He yeah. he. The way he learns is is just fascinating. And he literally, I had some friends over, and he was telling us all these things about how your lips have only, <clears throat> excuse me, only three layers of skin. That's why they get chapped so often. I'm like, what? The? I was right? not aware of that. Who knew, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I, not only on the learning about ourselves and, and being a parent, but oh my gosh, they become amazing humans. So anybody that has small children right now, just know it'll get better. The yeah. crying will stop. <laughs> One of the pieces that I love discussing with individuals is these hinge moments. So the one moment, one person, one event that makes all the difference in our lives. It connects who we are with who we become. Can you share yours? Oh, definitely. So I am forever grateful. Um, I was a, a coach beforehand. I was doing more personal coaching. I'd paid off $70,000 in debt. I did a, a whole bunch of stuff at a young age. And so I, I was a personal coach, but I really wanted to get more on the business side of things, but I didn't have anybody that I could talk to or work with. Uh, and I ended up when I just moved to Maine or moved back to Maine, I'm from Maine originally. There's not a lot of people in Maine, especially not a lot of online people. And uh, I ended up sending an email randomly to the local business coach. And he was like 60 year old guy that was old school business, like worked with, you know, high level blue collar companies, construction and plumbing companies and stuff. And I was scared as all heck. And I sent him an email and he was like, well, let's chat. So we ended up chatting and he was so kind. He like gave me advice on what he would do if I were, if he were me. And he, he later goes, you are a spitfire. You're coming in saying, I'm gonna be the next business coach to take over all your stuff. And yet I was like, oh, I didn't even realize I was doing that. I was probably a dork when I was 24, right? Uh, but this is the hinge moment. So I chatted with him and it was amazing. And I was like, he's so great. And later I went home and I hand wrote him a thank you card because he spent two and a half hours with me. Like, how amazing is that? Um, and so I sent him that thank you card and he sent me an email later and goes, I was looking for an apprentice. I want somebody to take over my, my business at some point. Um, I did not think somebody would be 24. I was looking for somebody who is 45 or 50, but uh, let's have a chat. He, and I, I asked him, I was like, what made you send that email? Because no offense, it took a, a while before you actually asked me that, <laughs> right? It's not like it was right after the call, uh, right after the meeting. And he was like, it's because you actually sent a thank you note. Like that 
not only I, I knew you were a great human, you were a spitfire, all that fun stuff, but that extra piece where you were willing to go above and beyond, I knew that you were trainable. So I ended up working for him for six months without any pay, just as a side note, over 20 hours a week. And then I ended up starting coaching underneath him for almost two years and had plumbing companies and landscaping companies and all offline, super unsexy businesses in Maine. But that changed the entire course of my life. I wouldn't be a business coach right now without that. The thank you letter, the follow-up. Who knew? Like, it's yeah. so, like, what if I didn't do that? Like, I mean, I'm hoping something else would have happened. But my goodness, when you think of how small these things are, and it was literally an intuitive head going, you know what? I should really thank, he spent so much time with me and he really didn't have to. And I just pulled the trigger on it. Small things really do make a difference. So small hinges swing big doors. Yes. <laughs> I love uh, that. I'm a, I'm a huge thank you letter guy. My mom would wear it out when we were kids, making us write all these thank yous for, you know, the Christmas gifts and everything. But, you know, especially now in today's society, I mean, people don't get anything in the mail. And just to get that, um, I could see the impact of that. But is that something you still practice today? I'm a super dork about all that stuff. I love calligraphy and, and art. I was an actual art major beforehand. Uh, so I have like wax seals that I, I send stuff for my clients, especially um, surprise little things. Because to me, I, we don't get that. Like when you think of being a kid and loving surprises and loving getting stuff in the mail and now we're like, eh, right? To be able to give little pieces of joy like that is, I mean, gifts are one of my love languages also. So I absolutely love that stuff anyway. That's awesome. So meditation, jujitsu, calligraphy, this is, uh, this is fantastic. <laughs> I'm really weird. It's fine. <laughs> In terms of the mental toughness, how, how do you define it and how do we work at it? So like we were talking about before, to mm -hmm. me, it's really understanding your own internal processing. And if we can learn to slow it down, because one of the things that I, when I was reflecting on this question, because I know you, you prepped me beforehand, I was thinking of the, my mental toughness has come from really challenging situations. Yes. Because... I am really stubborn and I need a great amount of pain in order for me to deal with anything, unfortunately. And I'm trying to make that less. Believe me, I'm really trying. I'm realizing that that's not necessarily good. But if I can make that gap a little bit smaller so I can actually slow down, so I can actually understand what thoughts I'm actually thinking, really trying to make sure I know what's going on in here so that way I can reprogram slowly, uh, that's been the biggest gift of trying to make a, a, the biggest difference in my mental toughness and realizing that the tough times are actually gifts even though I know I don't like even in the moment I'm like I know this is a gift but this sucks right that's fine that's where I'm at so far but but it's amazing how it adds up and adds up and adds up over time and the other piece that I think is really really huge is that you don't have to be perfect in it what especially overachievers have a perfectionist complex typically also with the people I work with me too right and I'm overcoming pieces of that also and and to realize that me judging myself on how tough I was or how I handled stuff is not good either. And actually loving how much progress I've made, how far I've come, right? When I've had to deal with that stuff has been huge. Right. You've mentioned slowing down quite a few times here. I'm thinking of, um, you know, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. But, mm -hmm. but unless we slow down and experience then that feeling of pain, even though it's uncomfortable, that's how we get better and being able to, to actually feel that because I, I know I'm not the biggest feel guy either. Like I don't want to feel, I just want to do and do and do right. And, you know, get better that way and go for runs and bikes. And 
but we've got to be able to feel that pain, right? So this is this is the thing that I find really, really interesting, because don't get me wrong, I was just from the head, and I thought feelings were stupid for a really long time. I was like, as long as I can feel the happy ones, not the sad ones, we'll be good, right? Didn't work out so well, let's just say that. <laughs> I, I sort of became a bit of a martyr, you know, all that fun stuff. And so what's interesting, and when working with clients, it's so much easier to see on the other side, is that the I work with mostly men too, by the way. So like I'm like the 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 guy's gal, right? Um, so I can slap them around, and I can let them know when they're shoving it down so much that they're going to hit burnout. Because the the thing that I think is huge is that feelings tell you something. For better or for worse, they tell you something. They tell you where you're at at the moment in regards to whatever you're thinking about or or, or working with or whatever's going on in your life. And so when I work with clients, I, I actually had a couple of clients in my mastermind group where. I made them buddy up. They hated this too. And this was at our retreat. We have implementation retreats here. And I'm talking to both these guys. And they're awesome, like super cool guys that like don't want to talk about feelings, right? And I'm like, okay, you guys are going to sit down. Every week for the next two weeks, you're going to text each other about your feelings. And they're like, are you kidding me? And I was like, I know. I know. You're going to hate me. It's going to be stupid. You're going to feel like an idiot, right? But both of them were on the verge of burnout big time. They were uninspired from their businesses. They didn't even know what they liked. And this was a huge piece for me too. I didn't even know what I liked at that point. I was like, I just, I couldn't even ask myself the question, what do I want right now? I'd be like, I don't know. I'm just supposed to check the things off the list, right? Check the things off the list. When in reality, what they're doing is they're just shoving all that stuff down. And that's information. It's information. If you can actually understand why that stuff is coming up, then you can change your course. And that to me is the most important things on the journey. Because when you're going through the journey, it's not just like, oh, it's supposed to enjoy it, even if it sucks, that's it. It's telling you something. You're trying to get better at the nuances of the moment and your sensitivity to what is going on. So for them, when I actually had them look at their emotions, they were like, oh, I realized that when I went out and read by the pool and actually took a real break, my level of feeling and joy a million times better and I could go back to work feeling refreshed even though it only took 30 minutes instead of I have to do the thing I'm supposed to do the thing I'm gonna sit here and look at the thing and hate my right hate the mm -hmm. journey and so what it allowed them to open up it allowed them to slow down and actually understand what was going on so that they could course correct and that way once they course corrected then we could stop the overwhelm and the anxiety and the anxiousness that was being shoved down on the verge of burnout right it allowed it to come up and it allowed to give them space enough to actually make small small incremental like reading by the pool for 30 minutes a day is not rocket science here but that that starts to break it open so you start to understand what actually brings you joy and you can bring those little pieces in the moment a little bit more because especially as entrepreneurs that are focused on specific goals because we are so focused on the goals we're willing to do whatever it takes but when we're willing to do whatever it takes in specifically hurting yourself not even realizing it, pushing all that stuff down, be, feeling anxious, being on your computer and like this all day and anxiety. So you're like, <laughs> can't have neck problems and back, right? That's not going to add up to an amazing life when now or when you're older. So if we can really pull it apart, we can start to understand what's actually going on and make small tweaks so that you can actually enjoy your journey a little bit better. Because what's the point? And, and this is what I say uh, on my podcast, uh, the point of eventual millionaire, that was a, a bit of a hinge moment for me too. When I was in corporate, I was like, what's the point in me hitting a million dollars and hating my life the entire time? What if I die the next day? Right. I want, I want to enjoy as many moments as I possibly can. I am, I do weirdo theme nights with my kids. I do the, I do weird stuff. You know what? Because it's fun. 
Who knew? And I never let myself do that before. But I love my life now. And to me, that's way more important than whatever the bank account or whatever the things or whatever everybody thinks as far as success goes. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I always say a, a boat is off course 99% of the time. So we're just making these tactical changes, right? We're tacking. Share with us, like, so what are some of the things, um, Weirdo Night with your kids, what are some of the things that you do, you know, on a daily basis um, to really like and have that joy and enjoy life? Oh, how much time you got? Uh, so I, sure. so I meditate every single day. I absolutely love that. Um, and, I and how, and, and I don't mean to interrupt, but yeah. how long did oh, it take okay. you to get to that point where you're able to quiet the mind and meditate? And how long do you do that? Well, I don't quiet it every single day. Let's right. just say that okay. I do have an entrepreneur ADD crazy mind, but I still sit and that's the practice that matters more than anything else. Uh, so at the beginning, I said, I've been doing it for 12 years. At the beginning, it was literally, I would, thought meditation was good. I would lay on the bed because I couldn't sit. I would lay on the bed for five minutes, set a timer. I would fall asleep because I had small children and didn't get enough rest. Right. So it started randomly with that stuff going, I'm going to go meditate. Nope, it's a nap, right? Uh, so many, many years of, of going, I feel better after I clear it. Because I do have an entrepreneurial crazy brain that literally thinks constantly. I'm mm -hmm. an overthinker. Uh, I've heard some people say overthinking is the is the newest drug, right? Um, and actually, oh, I don't have the book right here, but there's a, an amazing book uh, called Hairbrain Tortoise Mind. And it talks about how intelligence increases when you slow the mind down, just as a side note. So if you haven't gotten that book, I highly recommend it because it, it, it talks about the science behind all of it. Because uh, it's not just sitting, yay, we're wasting time, right? It's actually getting you more creative, getting you smarter, getting you more intelligent to actually pay attention to other things. And so literally what I would do, and I highly recommend doing this um, for people, especially if they don't think that they can meditate, because this was one of my um, <laughs> made up things that I thought was great that apparently all the greats had done also. Darn. Uh, so I think it was like Leonardo da Vinci or something like that. You know the state in between waking and sleeping, so you're sort of like very creative. I know when uh, my kids were young and I would wake up in the, in the middle of the night, I'd be like, I am so much more creative at two o'clock in the morning, right? Um, and so what they what he would do is he would take heavy balls and he would go to fall asleep, and as soon as he'd go to fall asleep, the, the ball would drop and he'd wake up and he'd be in that state, right? And of course we know the science behind all that stuff a little bit more now, but that state is a lot more creative. Right. And that's what meditation is trying to get you at. And you can't always hit it every single time. I have a muse headband that tries to tell you which state you're in and and stuff like that. And I'm super into like biohacking crazy stuff, too. So yeah. I love this stuff. But at the beginning, when I was just like sitting there, I'd have so many thoughts. So I'd keep a piece of paper next to me. Right. So they say, like, push the cloud, like whatever the thoughts are, just blow the clouds away. And I'd be <laughs> like, I got way too many it's like a rainstorm yeah, thunderstorms right right there's not right so what i would do is i'd empty my brain so i'd write everything down so sometimes it'd be like go buy dog food and i'd be like shoot right because what i was trying to do is keep my brain uh, as a storage system which was not necessarily good either like writing everything down david allen from getting things done talks about this too mm -hmm. like our brains are not meant to do that it'll keep thinking like oh remember the dog food remember the dog until you actually get it out of there so write as much as you possibly can down and when you start going through that process you start to go, oh, okay. It starts to loosen up your thoughts, or at least it does for me. Then I start getting amazing ideas. When I'm in that sort of creative brain state, it's not like I want to push all those ideas away personally. Sometimes I do if I'm really trying to get, like when I do four hour meditations at a meditation retreat, I don't do this. But most of the time, my best ideas 
come in meditation or in the shower. I also have shower notepads, right? When you're doing something else, when your mind isn't actually um, being controlled, it makes a huge difference. And so I write those ideas down. Nobody ever says that you can't get out of meditation and just write a little thing down. It actually could potentially change your business or your, your athletic goals or whatever it is from these small, amazing insights. So that's how I started. So I actually uh, sort of looked at it as thinking time instead of meditation time because mm -hmm. it made me feel better. Like I can do that part. Right. I can't clear my brain, but I can at least do that part. And that would make me feel better. And so I just got better and better and better at doing those pieces. Does that make sense? And I, I only meditate maybe 15 or 20 minutes uh, every day right now. Anyway, I've done longer ones and, and shorter ones and stuff like that too. But I'm also a single mom of two kids. So there's only, only so much time in the day for these things. But Anybody that's not meditating, you have no excuse. Single mom, two kids, business, employees, all sorts of fun stuff. Just so you know. <laughs> you know, my meditation is usually five or six miles of running. Um, yeah. I have no music and it's just focused on the breath, but I don't have the notepad with me during those times. So Bring yeah, it. that is important. You know, I started doing that when I was younger as well um, because I remember Eddie Vedder, you know, he would just leave like the situation where he's at and he would write out that song. You know, because that's when all that creative stuff like we're talking about comes, like in the shower, during the meditations, right when we wake up. Yes, there's a, I have too many book recommendations, but there's another one called Awakening the Genius. Um, and it really is about that. It's about trying to go, ooh, when we're like receiving these thoughts, where are they coming from? And, and are like, they can change the course of humanity, right? When people are like, oh, hmm, light bulb. Right. Yeah. Or whatever those, whatever those things are, it could be, could be huge. So yeah, I, I'm a huge proponent for that. To me, that's the leverage that you can start getting in your business, that clarity of going, oh my gosh, that one amazing idea that if you take action on it makes a huge difference. Um, those, those can change the course of everything. So that's a huge leverage. And, and what are some of those things again, that you do to enjoy the process and enjoy daily life? So, so the, the theme nights that I was talking about, this is me being a dork. Um, I love so it. Since the, kids, since the kids were little, um, I like finding specialties in the mundane, right? Or special, I like feeling special. One of the things that I, um, uh, back in the day when I was saying I was not in my uh, feelings at all, I would go, every day is just the same. And it's just do more stuff, check things off your to-do list. Like it was very mundane and boring and not inspiring at all. So what I tried to do is start going, well, I love like birthdays. I'm a little super crazy on birthdays. We would, we would make, I, for other people, again, I'm, I'm a gifts person. So I like set everything up. It's surprise for, anyway, I love that stuff. I love making people feel special. And so what I was trying to do is go, well, well when I'm queen for a day on my birthday, how, how is that so different? Why can't I just do that every day? Like that would be awesome. Now I can't do it every single day. I have a lot of things to do. But what I was trying to do is bring more of those moments in. And so uh, like we have a list of theme nights, which I think is kind of funny. Sometimes it's like Asia night and we wear hats. So we have like lanterns, like I'll surprise the kids when they come home. Again, we've had pirate day where <laughs> we dress in pirate costumes and, and go around. Like I also do Renaissance fair stuff. I cosplay weird stuff. This is how weird my You're a Renaissance is. woman, of course. <laughs> right? My, my children are professional stilt walkers and my former husband was a um, juggler and um, a contortionist and my kids are contortionists too. So again, we're, we're about as weird as it gets pretty much, but Love the it. kids just had so much fun 
like making small things magical. I would buy random fruits at the Asian grocery store or weird stuff and be like, hey kids, try this new stuff. Just to have something new and unique and fun uh, in our lives because I really do think that that, that adds up. Like, yes, mom's crazy, but what kid gets to be able to go through and be like, oh, we tried whatever that stinky fruit thing is. It was gross, right? It's it's really, it's really cool. And now my kids are going to an entrepreneur kids school and where they really flourish in that. They have no grades. They have no homework. They don't have teachers. They have guides. They have to figure stuff out on their own. Um, and so every day is different. It's not we have to do the same thing every single day. We can really find those moments that make a big difference. That's yeah. the juice of life. It's amazing. It's really working that creativity muscle, isn't it? Yeah. We've got uh, my kids. I make them create these games at some point. So, I mean, the game could be, you know, dig a hole with a stick, you know, and and we're not comparing any of that. But, I mean, that's the game and they have to come up with it because of that creativity piece. It's uh, it's it's something that I don't think I gave myself enough credit for back in the day. Um I, I was an art major, like I said, I, I was I was going into that side of things, but I also had logic and logic is rewarded so much more than creativity is, which is kind of interesting, right? You're like, oh no, but they're logical and they have data and we believe it, right? Whereas creativity, especially in kids, is getting stifled like all heck. Being able to actually let them open that up, I mean, it's huge. Yeah. Jamie, we're, um, I mean, we could talk for hours. You know, I really, I've loved this conversation with you and I've learned so much. Where can people, um, where's the best way to follow you? Um, you know, obviously with your show, we're going to put the links, but, but where do you want people to hook up? Great question. So we have um, a landing page for you. It's at eventualmillionaire.com slash 15 min, M-I-N, so 1-5 M-I-N. And it's funny, I didn't talk about a lot of the resources that I have, but we have uh, the three habits that all millionaires have, and it has a bunch of resources in there. We also have a, what I call the speed of implementation. Um, and it's just actually a Google Doc with videos for me, so it's, there's no opt-in or anything like that. But it really talks about flow. It talks about nootropics. It talks about really understanding what you're doing with your time so that you can optimize it. Right. Mm -hmm. I have a master schedule, so I'm not saying I do theme night every night. I usually pre-plan it because I'm a dork, but I know where I can squeeze in that fun stuff because I know how to use my time really, really effectively. And so those things will be all resources that we can put up there for free for you guys. I've, I've never had a guest that's created a landing page for me. That's yes. That, I'm number one. I that, beat everyone. No, <laughs> that is a gift. That is a gift. <laughs> Um, yeah, my love language is words of affirmation. So that's, that sounds great enough. Um, one of mine is also, and you're amazing. So just <laughs> so you know, <laughs> um, Jamie, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, but again, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much for having me and doing this because people need to hear it. Thank you for listening to the Mental Toughness Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at Dr. Rob Bell or visit our website at drrobbell.com.